I believe in therapy and art therapy and I believe in the healing power of dance or the relieving power of dance and the freeing power of dance, not only for the person which is executing, but also for the person who is watching or, or observing or sharing that in another way. first episode of process piece i can't believe it's finally happening this has been a very long time coming i am so excited to share the very first guest who happens to be a very good friend of mine and i'm so excited to be talking with him today i am chatting with pau eren jimeno dancer and choreographer Pau was born in Barcelona and studied dance at the Royal Conservatory in Madrid before going on to become a permanent performing member of one of my all-time favorite companies, Pina Bausch's Tanz Theater of Wuppertal. Now, anyone who talks to me about dance will know that Pina Bausch is one of my biggest inspirations in the contemporary dance world. If you don't know who she is, please go watch the documentary slash dance film Pina immediately. Seriously, it's just absolutely stunning. I'm going to link it in the show notes so you can go watch it. Um, Pau happens to be still to this day dancing with the company, but he is starting to also develop his own work and his own voice as a choreographer and solo performer. Surprisingly, we actually ended up talking a lot more about that than his years with the company, um, but I guess it makes sense. In conversation, we, you know, we meet people where they are in their lives. Pau and I first met in 2015 at a castle in France. I guess um, technically it was actually just a chateau, but it sounds cooler to say that it was a castle, doesn't it? Um, he was teaching workshops at this brand new festival called Danse Maintenant, and it was hosted at this stunning chateau location. And I have taken other workshops with him in Madrid and London ever since. He's one of those friends where you never know in the world you may meet next. His classes always make me feel inspired with their theatrical, gestural, Pina-esque style of movement, as well as how much love you can see that he pours into all of the work that he does in dance. We talk about this today, his relationship to dance being a love affair and the fierce love we can feel for artistic work. We also get into the process of developing a movement language and how developing any kind of artistic voice takes time and baby steps. We also touch on his routines as a dancer and his love of botanics. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Pau Aren Jimeno. How are you this morning? Good, thank you very much. 
would you like to just uh, dive in? <laughs> I have my swimming suit already. Your swimming suit? Oh, perfect. <laughs> I can dive in. <laughs> okay, let's let's dive in. Cool. Um, so the first question, it's a question that I'll be asking basically everyone, any kind of artist that I have on, is I would like to know what was your first memory of creating something? I think when I was a kid, I remember playing alone many times. But also I was playing with my friends and either way they had pleasure I liked. So I remember myself creating a whole city with uh, earth and sand and stones in at the backyard garden in my house. It was a house for like uh, renting. We were renting a house with my parents and my sisters. And I was very small and my sisters are older than me. And uh, I kind of always, I was kind of not alone, but yeah, somehow because of this age difference, I don't know, they they went, they were already somewhere else and I was still maybe five years old. So of course, who wants to play with a five years old boy all the time? So sometimes they were playing with me, but sometimes was this feeling of my mom at home. Uh, my father was doing something also. And maybe my sisters were there, but everyone was at home. And maybe it was just at the backyard garden with my little cars, <laughs> very trashy old miniatures, and, and then models. And then I was just creating with my hands streets and patterns and, and, and ways and paths and yeah highways. And all of that was done just with my hands and stones and earth. And I remember very much the place I was what moment, with the atmosphere of the moment, and I really enjoy it. I remember also playing to be a, a dog with my dog and going inside his little house that we built up. You know, I remember uh, me hiding myself, just uh, researching and exploring those that, that place because it's full, it was full of trees. It, but I don't know, it was full of inputs and information, and I liked it a lot. Also me playing with some leaves of mulberry trees that they, when you cut them, they give kind of a milk or something. It was very interesting to cut and then wait and see that sticky liquid. I don't know, things like that, you know, very strange ones. Also, me playing with my friends and we were pretending to be, yeah, I don't know, like knights and princesses and things. And then I was like, of course, not only doing the knight, but also pretending to be the sleeping princess. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> I myself uh, be kissed and uh, uh, woke up <laughs> by <laughs> colleagues. And, and it was like, I don't know, like more theatrical scene and, and, and actually connecting to one of my essences, which is my um, orientation as well. I don't know, something like very natural, mm. very organic, um, exploring myself also in a way it wasn't I wasn't aware I was enjoying myself and exploring myself I just I was just doing that <laughs> yeah those I are love like, that yeah <laughs> yeah I love that it's so interesting how the play that we do as children can often parallel the creative work that we end up doing later in life I mean 
creativity yeah. needs so much solitude. So it makes sense that you spent a lot of time on your own exploring, exploring the world around you. And then also the theatrical games. I mean, that's just, it's a beautiful thing to see those parallels in the process. Yeah. Also, I think there is a, maybe a, that's more like a, a little bit social slash political matter that my mom mm. took a decision to stay with us as a housewife which nowadays of course is different and it sounds kind of very heteropatriarchy and all these things of course we are somewhere else today but of course but actually within that context i could feel my mom i don't know if we talk about that just to just to touch it a little bit um a modern woman today can be much more a victim. I feel it can be much more present this patriarchy. I don't know. I, I can feel sometimes woman a woman can be more like um, can be suffering much more now. Some 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 kind of control power games than before. I don't know. In in the when I say that is because when I see my mother and when I saw my mother at the time back then, I did not feel she was oppressed or pushed or she was um, doing that because of uh, tradition shit, Spanish shit, you know. I, right. I could see my mom took a decision and she decided actively, I don't want to work because I want to enjoy that moment with my children. Mm. You know, it was her decision. Yeah. And she provides us an environment that my dad did not make that choice which is not because my father was a mature shit, you know. I, my father wasn't, uh, you know, my father wasn't this kind of, he's not this kind of person. Uh, he just took the decision that he needed to feel like he needed to go out from home. He, he did not make that choice. So I don't, I don't make kind of sex, sexism or, or you know, differences or something in, in, in terms of that conversation. So I just see that my father did not choose that and my mother did choose that. And the fact that my mother did choose that, it was so good <laughs> because yeah. I did not have to go to any kind of extra school uh, activities. I went to school, of course, later on, at the age maybe of nine or eight or maybe 10, I was maybe going to some English class, English course, which obviously did not make any effort for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. But, but, uh, the thing, a very, very simple thing, or maybe to go to a clay, you know, um, clay modeling or things like that. Also, I went with her. We were together at clay modeling. So that was great. And But the most of all is just this feeling of me being at home after my day, being at home, Knowing that my mom, or that someone that, of course, I had a very strong emotional connection, was at home. She was doing her shit. I was doing my shit. And I was quiet. My heart was quiet. So in turn, into this, within this context, I could develop my creativity because I wasn't struggling. I wasn't missing something. You know, I was, I was at ease. And within this, um, being at ease and feeling... A, a, comp, um, a company yeah a, comp yeah, a company a yeah. company I could fly 
<laughs> mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, so I think that's more like a social um, matter or social issue uh, into my kind of envi environment. And my mom has also a very special way of uh, managing her time. Um, the way he was, she was uh, cooking, she was handling the house, she was handling the time, the evening, she was handling me, and she's a very strong-hearted woman. And that's, I think that for my creativity is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Uh, was she very supportive of you when you started pursuing dance and arts and performing? Yeah. yeah. Although they were not, they never have been university people, you know, I don't have this kind of, those parents, but um, they were all supportive. It's like my father and my mother, they are people like with a very open mind. They can respect, they can take in everything you explain to them. They might put some questions or they might even not even uh, ask anything. They just say, oh, you know? And sometimes they say, just like, but is that okay for you? Are you okay? Oh, great. <laughs> so That's a perfect. <laughs> yeah, but, but then they say something like, well, but take care or take care of yourself or maybe is it okay economically how are you, <laughs> you know? of course that's parents, parents <laughs> but otherwise it's like um just be honest and be true to yourself that's what hmm. but my mom we were very supportive yeah that's great um i wanted to switch over i i didn't know this about you but i read in your bio that you started with ballroom dancing Great. how did that come about Great time. Uh, look, my older sister, she worked in a perfume shop and uh, she was working one day and then came that um, dance teacher from the local dance school, Ther Teresa, Teresa, um, mm -hmm. Teresa, and then she came and she said, oh, hi, I look, um, I need that, that perfume, that perfume, and oh, by the way, if you, if it happens to you that you know some kind of customer that has children just let me know like semi come because we are preparing a ballroom dance children course every every friday so maybe you your brother would be interested oh yeah my brother is always moving at home blah 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 so also they were preparing kind of an anniversary of the kind of local fest in my town my hometown and they wanted to make a rock and roll <laughs> and they wanted to make a playback, um, like with there is a there is a very known in Spain there is a very known duet, uh, two singers from the sixties and it's called dynamic duo, and they were <laughs> like two kind of typical sixties rock and roll singers. I don't know how to compare with American culture, but they were singing like quince <laughs> años. Like that. And then we're like, <laughs> like, you know, two brothers. That sounds very Spanish. I'm not sure if there's anything that can compare in the US. But it's kind of, yeah, but this is kind of rock and roll. Um, mm. I don't know how to say. It's this time from the 60s, you know, like all the things. Yeah, yeah. And they had a, a red um, pullover 
without sleeves and a white shirt and then white trousers and they were doing also films you know like films mm -hmm. like um girl meets boy and then they fall in love and then they were yeah i don't know very 50s 60s uh stars and they yeah. were having a music career and they had a rock and roll and they were uh, music uh, music duo i can send you a link and then mm -hmm. they, yeah please the dance school they wanted to make for that local hometown fest uh, a rock and roll uh, public presentation so they look for two children to make the playback so uh, on, on stage and then front stage and then backstage they were doing um back dancing so then uh, my sister already had this talk about these children ballroom course on fridays and it wasn't possible yet I was nine years old, and then at the age of 10, she came and said, look, you have a chance now, it's like a, you can do this playboy thing. So then I went, I was invited to the dance school, very jazzy, and not even ballet, not even, uh, not even really ballroom, I did not see, I just saw the jazz training on Saturdays, everyone with tights and you know and maybe a elastic in the in the in the head and very super like warmers and very like thing purple rain from yep you know very modern i can just picture that yeah yes 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 <laughs> like flash tense fame thing and it was a <laughs> hitty hometown thing but i was like so surprised it was like And there were some boys over there and some girls and they were like all isolations and hip isolations and contractions and chest up. And I, and it was just like very poor and very simple, but I was like, oh my God. And then that was my time and I had kind of, to, they were wanted to try out and it was the other guy. And then the guy was playing the guitar, play, pretending to play the guitar. And then I took the microphone, and also the microphone was off. But then the teacher was telling me, yeah, you have to do that, you have to do that. And I was like, oh, yeah, there you go. And I was like <laughs> enjoying my time. And then I went away. And then they called me and they said, okay, we want Pau to be one of the two guys, and he will be in. So I remember that as a first performance. And then after... They called me months later, one year later, maybe months later. They said, okay, the course is opening. Would you like to join us? And I did join the course on Fridays. And that's my very beginning with ballroom dance. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm... That was ballroom or that was jazz? No, ballroom. And then later, a, year, a couple of years later, I decided maybe to one year or two years later, I decided to add some jazz class. Very nice. Do you do you still see an influence of those first classes oh in your work my at God, all? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Even when you said chest up, I thought of your uh, I thought of the workshops yeah. that I've taken with you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. I, I, I can yeah, yeah, I can also recall to those moments all. So um I love this quote from the the Pino movie, actually, that you say, mm. um, where you were going through some hard times and Pina told you, don't worry, true love will arrive someday. Dance for love. Mm. 
And of course, I, I see a lot of love in the in the work that you do now. But I'm wondering, is there a moment that you remember falling in love with dance? I think it wasn't like a precise moment. It has been mm. a, a very progressive, slow process. Those are the best relationships, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> to kind of tap a little bit into it, maybe taste a little bit and then deeper and more and more and maybe a little bit back and moments of crisis and maybe struggling and issues and then a little bit again forward and then very fast forward and very one step back and then stay for a moment and then continuing but always doing something and that has been jazz ballroom after with all this transition going to academic dance academia and and studying and then dancing professionally um it has been always like a very strong, low process for me. Yeah. Mm. Really... Do you see it as a relationship? Yeah. With your work? Yeah, yeah. A yeah. love affair. Yeah. Yeah, it's a love affair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always with its ups and downs, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and having moments to review the scene, the, the scene, the situation, and, and having thoughts. And, but I never quit. Somehow there is something that makes good, not only to the body, but also to the soul mm. and to the um, self-worth, self-esteem thing and feeling you give something some to someone else, somewhere else. And also it, it's rewarding, it's coming back and you feel proud of yourself because you made it, maybe that performance or that rehearsal, you made a good thing, a good work, but not in terms of ego quality. You made a good thing in terms of I made something good for something for someone. I did not I did not do something that is disturbing someone or I have to explain no, that's not the description. I did not work maybe in an enterprise that is burning plastic. <laughs> so my, uh, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? My consciousness feels like um oh I'm doing something that is good for me, but it's not for the environment. So, I don't know, to dance, it's supposed to be, I don't know, I believe in therapy and art therapy, and I believe in the healing power of dance, or the mm. relieving power of dance, and the freeing power of dance, not only for the person which is executing, but also for the person yeah. who is watching or or observing or sharing that in another way. So is that when you create work or when you're performing, is that usually the message you're hoping to convey? Or is there some sort of underlying message or theme or idea that you, or feeling even, that you always hope people come away with, whether they're working with you in a workshop or watching the performance? For me, to pass on those values is my goal in my workshops and my dance. Not actively, not consciously maybe, but when I give a workshop, I find myself talking about things. So I'm questioning continuously, what am I saying? How am I saying that? And from which place comes that? From which place in my head, in my culture, in my kind of um, background, from which place comes this sentence or this thought, this concept, this um, idea? Uh, in artistically, but also kind of in a pedagogical way, I think mm -hmm. um, dance is helping me. It sounds so cheesy, but it's true. Dance 
helps me to be a better person. I don't think that's cheesy at all. I think that can be completely true. It helps me to 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 know more about myself, to question myself. When I have to dance, when I have to be at the service of someone else as a dancer, when I have to choreograph someone else, I just need to be connected with my body, but not only with my body, especially when I'm not dancing. I have especially to be connected with my gut and with my intuition, but also with my brain and the honesty to be true to myself and not try to fool someone or try to, yes, to cheat someone, you know, and I can't. Mm -hmm. It's maybe this pathologic will to be good, (laughs) (laughs) to be a good guy, you know. Sometimes it's good to be a little bit um, wicked. But uh, even being <laughs> wicked has to be w- done with respect towards the other people in the studio. In the room. Mm-hmm. That should be a little bit the, the answer. Absolutely, yeah. And with authenticity, too. I mean, whatever yeah. you're doing, yeah. you do and it with your whole self. <laughs> yeah, the authenticity and the honesty and the love for what you do is something I learned from Pina. Also, I did not mm. only learn it from Pina. I have been very lucky to meet my master's my dance master, mm-hmm. those people, Teresa and Manuel, they were my mentors oh. at the beginning. So they were refurbishing my brain <laughs> without, <laughs> without pretending anything, without doing anything. It was not a manipulation. It was just me asking for food and they were giving me that food, the best food they could, artistically speaking, of course, emotionally also. And they are called my second parents. So as I was talking about my mother and my father, I could now mm-hmm. embrace the other kind of level or, or, or layer, which is the artistic father and mother. And I do have one. If I have a mm, you're lucky. artistic parents, my home is in that Barham school because they were talking to me so long for so long and so many interesting things. So I found myself at the age of 14, 15, feeling me myself as a professional dancer in a maybe dance company in New York, you know. And I mm-hmm. was not, obviously. But I was committed to that with the same kind of dedication and devotion. And I was going on Saturdays and I was working until late and we were doing class and training and, and mm-hmm. everything possible. I could give everything because I was so motivated. But they encouraged me. They fucking encourage me. I always <laughs> when I feel blue or when I, I recall to them and I think just on your honor to celebrate that and to keep on defending dance, I and, and remembering recalling them, I continue. I just yeah. lift myself up and I continue. I, I've heard you learn use this language before of defending dance and I'm I'm curious about that. What are you defending it against nothing no 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 it's yeah no i i just in my mind defense automatically means there's a a counter but maybe uh no maybe it means something different for you yeah when i feel it's like i put in a in a folder or in a bag some words some concepts some images i'm gonna try to explain to you yeah this kind of warrior for love (laughs) defending nice things also that you don't need to defend only against something bad. Hmm. Kind of. If there is another word, it's not fight for or defending, 
yeah, it's more like even like a warrior battleish atmosphere. Yeah, but all coated with a uh, coated with um, a nice layer of love and bliss and enjoying mm. and like pride, like being an, like a fierceness. A fierceness, yes, it's fierceness. Yeah, it's not defensive. It's fierce and proud mm-hmm. and and celebrating dance and celebrating art and celebrating performing art and celebrating our oral theatrical transmission skills throughout cultures and and centuries and in every single civilization of this planet Mm -hmm. defending that maybe against not against but defending that towards people so encouraging Mm -hmm. people to continue doing that so i defend it Maybe against time, maybe against um, digital um, new style of life, maybe against machinery. I don't know, but also I think everything, all these things can be included in dance today. Somehow yeah. I choose, or the choice made me, to be a narrator of reality through my body mm. the best way I can without pretending and being conscious I'm not a gifted um, um, kind of ballet dancer or, you know, or maybe a super contemporary, I fly on over the floor dancer. I just move and I just need to express through movement and through many mm-hmm. other things, gestures, through some energy. I need to express through my energy this defending love for dance (laughs) yeah yeah i i think that's why i've loved taking your classes so much because i'm also fascinated with gesture in dance Mm. and i i read that what you try to do is you're developing a movement language and i i love that concept of movement having a language and Mm. each person having their own language through movement sorry i'm losing my voice Mm. um so uh what what has that process of developing a language through your movement looked like and what does your own personal language does it have a look or a sound or a base to it i'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that a little bit actually i feel i am very uh baby steps in this process of finding my language i think i am beginning it's not you know, it's not something I know already or I have it in mind. I'm just exploring and I am realizing now while doing things out of the company that has had that big influence in me and it still has. Mm. You know, sometimes when you begin, you begin to create things very similar to that language because it's the language you have learned. So you put in practice a lot of things you have learned in that company you have been dancing for years you know or that that, those Mm -hmm. pieces you have made or those movement languages you have touched so and then after I think those things will kind of dry out and will kind of fall like uh, you know like the belly button when you are born (laughs) and then and then at some point I will find out and now already already some years um, uh, very slowly some small ideas come from my end they are kind of homemade and also they might have some inspiration or some influence from somewhere else 
but I'm not that conscious about it. So I feel I am creating something on my own. Whereas with some other material, I can see totally it comes from the company. Not It's not the same, but I can see it's a direct inspiration. But some things already kind of have a little bit of, you know, pop out like a little bit different, something that I am creating on my own. And that should be my first steps, baby steps of my own language, which I think if I continue giving workshops, creating pieces for people and taking time for my choreographic work, also as a creator, as a dancer, and it will come out, it will happen. Like also last production, I felt I was doing something else and that was influenced by my experiences out of the company dancing somewhere else. So this kind of mm. movement, new movement skills or needs, they were kind of floating, like floating out of my ears and, and my nose and, <laughs> and my skin. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think to begin slowly again, this kind of love affair, uh, slow relationship with dance. So now in this very moment, at this moment of transition, going out from a big institution or taking um, a little bit more space because I'm going to still keep collaborating with them as far as they want because it gives mm -hmm. me pleasure and it gives me this kind of also back to the source, which is the same feeling with my parents and with my ballroom dance teachers. So also with Pina mm -hmm. and the work and the company, I have that feeling. So I always enjoy that very much to come back for a while. But then I need to go out again and continue developing my own language. But it takes time. Let's say mm -hmm. as a dancer, I'm getting older. Since I am 37, mm. of course I can still dance because Pina taught me that I can dance until I'm 89. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, she was incredible like that. Yeah, but as a choreographer or a curator, I'm okay. I, I'm not young, but I'm kind of emerging now. So kind of middle, mid 30s, going to late 30s, that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's a stupid thing because age is like, it's like stupid. Why, why, which should we be so aware <laughs> about age and things? But well, sometimes oh, I, know. <laughs> I can't avoid to live in this world and this system where age is, a, yeah. is an issue. I did, I think I did not answer your question. No, you did. Oh. You did. Um, yeah, I think it's great that you're going. No, I think it's great that you're going back and allowing yourself to take those baby steps. Because I think, I don't know. I know I put too much pressure on myself sometimes to have things figured out uh, at a certain time or at a certain age. But sometimes it's good to go back and become young again and look at the world like your playground. I have a couple other little, just like little questions that I'll probably be asking everyone. So what is an interest, hobby, or activity you have for practice that is completely unrelated to dance and might surprise people to find out about you? I like botanics. <laughs> botanics? <laughs> botanics. And I like gardening, growing my veggies. I like farming. <laughs> I, I love that. But... Sorry, go is, ahead. Is that not that surprising, right? Of maybe. No, I was, you know, I was going to say what's so funny and what I think is interesting about this question is, you know, I say it's unrelated to dance, but actually everything we do is related, I think, to dance or back to whatever our work is. And I mean, for you, that's so clear. I mean, your your solo, what is it, bamboo, 
yeah. what is it called? Bamboo Blues. Bamboo Blues, thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, that it's it's beautiful and it's like a piece where it looks like you're gardening. So I'm, I, that makes so much sense to me, actually. Uh, uh, yeah, there is. Yeah, I'm, 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 I like that. So that's also my practice. Of course, I don't practice and I did not study that. But that's something. If you tell me, do you have a plan B? That would be the plan B. The plan B to be a farmer. Yeah, to be a biodynamic farmer, uh, to go and study that, and then go and have a little house with a with a bit of land, and just grow mm. veggies and you know and defend some animals, <laughs> not kill them. Perfect. Just have them around so I I can save a part like Noah's. I can save a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> of, of uh, industry yeah nice nice that sounds perfect yeah, well, maybe someday perfect to be <laughs> yeah my other question is do you have any ritual re- related to the creative process so maybe something you do daily or something you do um within each project that you're working on any kind of little rituals that help you with it well preparing my body and not maybe mm-hmm. in a kind of super denser athletic thing, but I need to do that stretch or that meditation and I need to prepare a little bit my body, my physicality and also my state of mind, especially before I begin a working day, especially if I am in a creative process. I need to feel I am ready for whatever. And even it's just a sensation because it's not true. I'm not ready for whatever. I'm not Superman and I don't pretend to be <laughs> Superman, but I want to feel I am at the maximum of my possibilities, physically, in that moment, mm. that day, in that environment. So that's my ritual. This means to have a nice breakfast, but also to have a meditation, to have a time for stretching if I don't take the class, or to even make a little workout, and maybe to bring some some books or some impulse. So to keep also emotionally uh, speaking a good vibe which is of course meditation again but also maybe talking to my family during the week so I'm in a creative process so to keep myself as balanced as possible as a human being if I have to go through a process and sometimes can in that moment can then something happen overcome maybe some issue with family with friends with your partner with uh, the work so i think i'm not preparing myself to be zen for the work actually now i realize i'm preparing myself that way because i know issues are coming <laughs> and because right <laughs> so to, the ritual is to be ready for the for the fight <laughs> <laughs> absolutely to, to make myself ready for the fight and sometimes it can be super... Ready to be fierce. Yes, yes. To go for that. <laughs> yeah, but it's something like, I don't see like something against or creating muscle muscle tension or yeah, like struggle. It's something... Mm-hmm. Yeah, to run and to be free. To finding mm. that kind of... Like where you're preparing for the battle somehow. That should be more... Yeah. So I have this image also of these samurais meditating stillness before they go to the battlefield Hmm. you know calm before the storm yeah something like that i like that (laughs) 
Yeah, I like that too. Great. Well, I unfortunately have to go teach a class soon. Oh, um, good for you, Pity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish we could keep talking. This is really great. Cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing yeah, all of that. Movie. Thank you for sharing your creative process with us all. Thank you. Yeah, it's a very small, <laughs> simple one, but I think in simplicity, there is um, a key. Absolutely. Great. Well, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Oh, hopefully. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye, pal. Have a great day. Bye, Ruby. Ciao. Bye. So if you're curious and want to know more about my amazing guest today, you can find Pau's work and his portfolio through his website, pauaran.com. P-A-U-A-R-A-N. Thank you so much for listening to this very first episode. If you enjoy Process Piece, please subscribe wherever you are listening and make sure you leave a review in iTunes so other people can find it. You can also follow the Process Piece podcast on Instagram. It's just at Process Piece uh, to see some behind the scenes and find out more about new guests and episodes. You can also follow me, Ruby Josephine Smith, to hang out and chat more about the creative process on Instagram. Also, a giant enthusiastic shout out to my brother, Cooper Lee Smith, for composing the original music for this podcast. Thanks, guys. I hope you all have a beautiful day. Bye.